got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Jill, you know what it is. Another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast with your boy. Big Steel in the house. Jill. Soren Baker's here. Yeah. Me, yeah, for sure. We got Soren Baker back again, man, as we knock down this top 50 gangster rap albums of all time. Man, you know people really take their music serious, bro. I've been having motherfuckers in the comments, man. They be killing me. <laughs> and I always tell them the list is not complete yet. They're not even in numerical order yet. We're just naming songs right now that are going to go eventually that will wind up on that top 50 list. They don't like that shit. They don't like that shit at all. They tell me, you better have some of this on there. You better have some of that. What, they need, what people need to realize, man, when you start talking about music, it's very, very subjective, man. And it's all about your opinion. You can go out and make your own list. Right. You feel what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure as we get closer to the top, we have a lot of stuff that's the same. But some stuff is like, I'm pretty sure because you sent me your list today and usually me and you are pretty close. So I was like, damn. Me and Soren <laughs> got a couple of them. We have a couple. They're close, and I guess we should probably just go ahead and run through our 
our list. I, you want me to run through mine first? Or you want to do yours first? You you should go first, still. Okay. Again, these are not in numerical order. They are not in numerical order, so I don't want to hear nobody on Instagram telling me, "Hey, man, how you got this or that?" That's a bullshit ass list. But this is what I got. I got we come strap. Quick is the name. Above the law, living like hustlers. Sibo. Which Sibo? The gas chamber. That's a masterpiece right there. Tupac, Me Against the World, 50 Cent Get Rich Die Trying, The Truth by Benny Siegel, Banging on Wax, I had to go back on that one, Banging on Wax, I had to revisit the album, Brother Link, Season of the Sickness, and Easy e it's on 187 Killer. Mm. Yeah, I got a lot of those, some of those I don't have, but that's, that's pretty thorough right there. Yeah, I want to go back to something, though, because we always have these debates on which should be considered gangster rap. As you know, I've been wanting to put Tupac's Me Against the World on there. To me, it's his best album. It's right. even better than um, All Eyes on Me. Some, I know I'm going to get killed in the comments for that. But I think um, Me Against the World was a phenomenal album, and it definitely was a gangster rap album to me. It was definitely some gangster stuff. It's definitely, my, in my opinion, Pac's best album. I think it's the most uh, introspective. And when you look at it, too, to me, it reminds me in a lot of ways of like a Scarface album. It's dealing with a lot of paranoia and doubt, frustration, mm -hmm. depression, anxiety. And that's, of course, because he was going through his legal situation at the time and was behind bars. So, or know, knowing he was about to be behind bars for it. So it's a lot of uh, angst in the album. And I think it's a lot of introspection. It's brilliant, man. It's a brilliant album. Yeah, I think um, one of my favorite joints on there was Death Around the Corner. It was just like a lot of paranoia on there. Yeah. And just, you know, just the, that last verse, he just killed it. I was raised in the city, shitty, since the itty bitty nigga. <laughs> drinking liquor out my mama's titty. And smoking weed was the everyday thing in my household. And drinking liquor till you out cold. Yeah. You fuck yeah. with that, eight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was one of his coldest albums, man. And um, I thought about, man... With Get Rich Die Trying, I think that was like 50 Cent, man. He just knocked it out the park with his debut. I got one. I got that one a little higher in the list. Yeah, and I had it higher initially, bro, but it's just so much great stuff in the top 20. I didn't really see nothing worth. It was a lot of stuff to where it was close, but, again, that's just my opinion. You know what I mean? It may wind up still up there, you know? Yeah, yeah. It may very well wind up still up there. I know eight. I guess we gonna have to excuse him from doing a list because he just he like everything, man. Yeah, I, I don't give a damn. I, I I just go through, you know, songs that I you know it's all kind. Of, it's because it's eras, man. I come from a a long era, and you know, um, I don't know if you say you know gangster albums or reality records or whatever you want to say, but um, I'm kind of biased. You know, you from be. from, <laughs> I'm kind of biased from 2000 on back. You feel me? Yeah, I feel you. I am too, to a certain degree. You know, um, but I will say, um, you know, um, I banged me some BG Chopper City. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah, I got um, that. I had that on there. I banged me some Brother Lynch hung. Um what was that? Season of the Season Sickness. Season of the Sickness. Yep, I got Man, that on my list that right album here. Is, whew, thorough. 
I banged me some motherfucking, um, I banged me some motherfucking, um, I banged me some SIBO. I banged me some J.O. Felony. Um, that, that, uh, that, uh, that Take What You Want to Do album, uh, Easy okay. to Get In. Uh, I banged the shit out that motherfucking record, man. Yeah, I banged me some, some motherfucking... Um, J.O. is incredible. I banged me some Eastsiders. Yep. Yeah, Eastsiders is hard. Um, um, I banged me some Mob Deep. Mm-hmm. Mob Deep? I got um, Mob Deep in the top I got 20. Mob Deep on mine, too. Okay. Um... I'm not gonna lie, uh, I got Quick in there. Quick's first album was the shit. So all three of us got Quick's uh, Quick is the name today. Yep, all three of us got Quick is the name. And then I'll go through some. Um, I'll bang me some straight checking them. So that's my, you know, that's my middle ten right there. See, um, I got straight checking them higher eight. I got straight checking them in the middle right there because you know. Um, I got that way higher too. Yeah, that's my, um, that's my favorite. <laughs> I got other records, you know, that's higher. You know, Straight Checking Them was a, was a good, decent record for me. Uh, Compton's Most Wanted. But, you know, I got some records that, you know, up there, you know, as far as what what I listened to, as far as what took me through the transition of reality music, especially being from Compton in the West Coast. Mm. Um I even said I banged me some uh, some some uh, knockout and Drayster. Yeah, they had a hard album, and I, and I thought so, about that. I yeah. thought about that. So you know that that that's my my middle realm right there. You feel me? Mm. I like that. Yeah, Soren, you might as well go so, and, and, and take this out, man. Today we're looking at uh, "Quick Is the Name." Okay. Black Mafia Life by Above the Law. Okay. Power Ice T. Okay. This one might surprise people that it's this low, but 2001 by Dre. Okay. Uh, back to Vince Staples, Hell Can Wait. Living Like Hustlers, Above the Law. Mm, I got that. Yeah, I got that a little higher. Schoolie D, uh, Saturday Night, the album. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that, man. And the Saturday Night, part of the reason why, beyond the fact that I love it, this album on the song Parkside 5-2 is the first time I ever remember hearing anybody gangbanging. Mm-hmm. This came out in 86. He said, Parkside, my place and home, the PSK gangsters like to roam, cheaper in our hand, 30, or cheaper in our hand, 32 in our socks, protecting our turf like it was Fort Knox. So mm-hmm. right there, that's he's naming his gang. Yeah, that's gangster shit. He's saying, we got the guns, you mm-hmm. coming? Mm-hmm. We, we got smoking. the Chiba, we yeah, smoking. Yeah, we smoking, we got yeah, guns. We and protect this is the hood. Yeah, definitely. And that was 86. Yes, indeed. So, Schooly, shout out to that. Tear the Club Up Thugs, Crazy in the Last Days. I had that higher. This album is so phenomenal to me. It's a dope and album. It's, uh, <laughs> I, was, I happened to be there when they were recording some of it. So I had, it's a... Uh, as you both know, when you're working on a song and you hear the different changes the songs go through while they're being recorded and then they hear the versions that get released. And as you also both know, when they would have advances, sometimes it wasn't the version that was on the album too. Mm-hmm. So I heard all these different versions of some of the songs on Crazy in the Last Days. That was crazy. Um, that 
album is phenomenally produced, um, top to bottom. Uh, I got rhythmalism also, mm. uh, and I got uh, partially because of eight prelude to a come up, I got Cypress Hill 4. Mm. That to me is, as we'll see with some of my other selections with eight being on here, but that's one of my favorite verses, as well as your soul assassins from the first album that I think people don't talk about as much, but prelude to a come up, whoo, off Cypress Hill 4. If y'all don't remember that, man, you need to go check that, cause that, yeah, that was, that was a, that's an incredible song. Yeah, that was a, that was one of my, um, first introductions to um, fucking with Muggs. Um, you guys work phenomenally well together. I yeah, man, say. Muggs is my people's, man. Uh, you know, you tend to meet different dudes, you know, when you production-wise as far as, you know, coming from the West Coast, motherfuckers always feel that um, I guess your sound should be one particular way. And... Uh, I've always just managed to uh, work well with all kind of producers, from fucking, from Slip to fucking Mugs and Banks <laughs> to fucking Daz to Mugs to fucking Pete Rock to Premier, you know. So I like to get versatile when I do music, man. I don't like to just stick to the same fucking format. So um, that was my answer. You know, I've always been a fan of Mugs from fucking. Yeah. From, uh, from cooling in Cali days, man. Seven eight three. Yeah, man. Slept on album right man, there, yeah, man. yeah, definitely. And they they uh work with Schooly D. And that was too. one of my favorite cuts, man. I don't give a cooling fuck. Cooling in Cali. Cooling in Cali. Cooling in Cali man. was the shit. Yo, um, I was in I was in Ohio listening to that man, shit. Man, that shit was man, that shit was, was cracking, incredible. man. Um, incredible. I was in Maryland. So I've always been a Mugs fan, you know. So just being able to be able to work with Mugs and you know with the work from uh. Cypress Hill to, like you said, being able to be a part of the Soul Assassins to... Um, yeah. Have y'all heard the new Soul Assassins, Soul Assassins 3? Yeah, uh, it was crack. I, I, I actually, uh, I, I, I probably didn't make it on there, but he had sent me a beat to do a song with uh, Devin the Dude in uh, oh, yeah. the Weed song. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty tight. Um, so, yeah, shout out, to Mug, shout out to Mugs, man. Yeah, so... And I think, too, because Dr. Green Thumb was the big single off four, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, compared to their first three albums, I think because Dr. Green Thumb, the video was a little funny. Mm -hmm. I think they didn't give the album as much of a chance, but he's got, you know, Be Real, I think is, it's hard to say he's underrated, but he's underrated, I think, as a storyteller, as a lyricist, a style. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. And, and, and a good friend, too, man. Uh, yeah. Be Real's always, you know, um, it's been on a lot of my songs, a couple of projects. We've always worked together. Um, he's another one of those cats that uh, I can just pick up the phone and be like, hey, B, you know, blop, blop, and two days later, there's the verse or whatever. So, um and and he's one of them artists, man, that's so versatile. You know, he's even though he comes from the West Coast, Southgate, you know, from the streets and whatever, but they music, man, is just so fucking worldwide, man. They in a different category, if you ask me. Yeah, they rock stars. Exactly. And, and a different category. The thing that uh, really shocked me with the four album is because on the first Cypress Hill, you had the pig song, 
And then on this album, he had Through the Eyes of a Pig, where he rapped from the perspective of the cop. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about all the dirt he was doing. And, like, I just remember hearing that song for the first time and never thinking I would hear a song like that from such an artist. Mm-hmm. And it just blew, like you're saying, he's so versatile, it blew my mind. I was like, this song is crazy. Be and Real is definitely cool. underrated, though, man. Yeah. And while we talking about underrated stuff, it didn't make the list. But y'all fuck with Psycho Ram? Of course. Definitely. That war story, that one and two, man, Dude. I came real close to putting that on the list because those are dope-ass albums. Speaking of Muggs, he did a great album with Sick Jackin, by the way. Right. Oh, my goodness. Muggs is, he's incredible. He's a, he's a dope producer. Man, shout out to the homie Sick Jackin. That's yes. my homeboy. He actually owed me a beat from 20 years ago. <laughs> right. So I came and Good did luck. it. We need Good that luck. beat. <laughs> we need that, that beat for you know, because um, I went and did something. He had this video shoot, and this is how Jack called you. Hey, Steel, what you got going on, man? I'm chilling. Hey, man, can you come up to the hotel? We shooting the video right now. I need you to play this part. It's like right now, dog, it's Saturday night, 7.30 at night. I'm chilling with my family, right? He's like, come on, man, I'll give you a beat. He said that I was, I was gone. And I get up there, man, and we got us in this hotel that's supposed to be hunted. I forget the name of it is, but it's downtown L.A., and when I tell you, man, that the energy and the vibes in that hotel was spooky as a motherfucker, I couldn't wait to get out of there, man. <laughs> because he had me in this dark-ass room playing a suit, like snatching somebody from behind the corner. And I forget the name of the song, man, but shout out to Sick Jack and the Cycle Realm, man. They got some incredible music. That's for sure. For they got sure. some incredible music. Yeah. One of the things, man, as we go through this list, man, with gangster rap, man, I think a key component that we always speak upon is... Tell the art of telling a story. Yeah. Eight tales and immaculate stories, because I've been listening to more of your music lately just to get, you know, back in the vibe of the list. I've been listening to a lot of a stuff. A little perspective, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To give you a little perspective, man, him... Be Real, Ice Cube, um, even Snoop, man. The West got some great storytellers, man. That's for sure. The West Coast has some great storytellers. I tell you, too, and this is up more top, towards the top of the top ten, and I think we would all have this in the top ten, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but Raekwon, the Purple Tape. Mm. Just the whole story of that album, man, just from the beginning to the end, it's ill album, man. Very. That's ill album. Very. You got you got that in your top ten? No. That's I don't have top. that as a gangster album. You don't think that was a gangster album? I think it was East Coast gangster for sure. It is, but it's not gang. To me, it's not gangster rap though. What you say, Abe? I wouldn't consider it gangster rap either. Raekwon's one of my peoples. I just think it's on a different. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's criminology rap. <laughs> Man, well, I think say. that see to me, gangster yeah. shit is is criminal shit, dog. That it's criminal shit. It's like gangsterism, but from East Coast perspective, that's what I think anyway. I just don't think it has enough. Well, to me, most of my selections directly are about the gang banging life, and, right? And are see, heavily involved in it. Directly or indirectly, I think because I lean more towards the D boy shit. Yeah, see, you you 
because at one point you considered Rick Ross gangster shit. To me, that's gangster shit. That's hustle music, yeah, man. That's, that's D-boy music. Yeah, that's not that's not gangster music. Rick Ross ain't telling you he doing drive-bys on niggas. Rick Ross telling you he got model bitches on the yacht coming from If you getting your if, if, if you earning your money from illicit activity, you a gangster to me. If you if you earning your money from illicit activity, you selling dope, you got the bad bitch with you, you got a jar of weed, a nice guard of gold weed like that one I showed you just now. Yeah, but niggas be, don't yeah, gold. but that ain't, that ain't that ain't gangster shit. That's not what we consider gangsterism. We consider uh, that D-boy shit like like money man shit. Gangster shit is not a it's nigga who different. is worried about like the type of champagne he drinking and shit. Or what, what you know dress or, he's gonna or, buy his woman. Or yeah, <laughs> or or you know, or if I'm on a private plane or not. I'm I'm a gangster, nigga. I don't give nigga, nigga. You put me on the handlebars of a beach cruiser, nigga, and I do a drive by <laughs> on the nigga, nigga. I don't give a fuck, nigga. My draws can cost tw- my draws cost twenty dollars from the swap meet, not a hundred thousand. Hence you, a great you, debate, man. Because <laughs> you give me the my, pack costs yeah, twenty eight, not nigga, the one yeah, there. Nigga, my, my socks <laughs> is in the six pack, nigga. I don't pay motherfucker the thousand dollars for silk socks and draws so and shit. We gonna miss out on all <laughs> this. So let me. Ask you can have me a you can have me a forty ounce, nigga. It ain't gotta be a thousand dollar bottle of champagne. Is Gucci man gangster rap? <sighs> at times, Gucci man talk say. about smoking motherfuckers, and he has smoked. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean, that, Gucci at times, man is on that shit. But Gucci has so much other stuff. That dude's got seven thousand songs. So it's hard. He's very hard to categorize. Is Lil Wayne, is Lil Wayne gangster rap? Cause nah. he be on that suit woman and everything else. Nah, nah. You don't think so? I don't. So y'all just go my, well, my X all these. Still, y'all just go X is, all these prominent great rappers out the gangster rap category. Y'all some cold dudes, man. I don't. I don't see, see you. I don't know what see you. I don't know. Like I don't know. You international with your gangsterism still. <laughs> I don't know, man. You I like, just aspire for the gene to be a little bit on the higher level. You could be a gangster, be sophisticated with your shit. Not saying gangsters ain't sophisticated, but gangsters, some of the most sophisticated gangsters yeah. is 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 like. Man, gangster shit is the struggle, man. Gangster shit is like, you get me? Gangster shit, to me, like, if you want to go on the Lil Wayne shit, BG is gangster shit. Yeah, BG Lil is Wayne is Lil, like, now, now, like, this is what I say about some shit. Some niggas is gangster, right? When they in the grind, Right? In the beginning, when they're on the block with everybody else, we all with the sack. We all trying to, you know, we all serving the same motherfucking car. We all in the studio on the block together, you know, whatever. We in the struggle. But if one of us, you know, get off a record, nigga, and motherfucker, next thing you know, nigga, I got $10 million in my bank account. 
I'm no longer pulling up in the Pinto. Oh like no, now you gotta to. be. Now you, you gotta me? pull up in the I'm pulling up the Rolls Royce. Right. So now and, and and so now I don't know if the imagery of gangster is what a nigga gonna portray anymore. Because this nigga gonna be pulling up in Versace jackets and shit now. He don't niggas don't know how to no niggas jacket. don't Niggas don't know how, hell nah, nigga. I, like, nigga, hell nah. Nigga, you gotta like. I'm not surprised. It's some nigga like, <laughs> it's some niggas who get money and and know how to, the money's not gonna change my aspect of where I come from. Like, nigga, I'ma still buy fucking Reeboks. I'ma still buy, you blue, know, blue regular jeans and sweatshirts. Like. My sweatshirt ain't gonna be $2,500. You know how I can attest that he's telling the truth? I seen him wearing this. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, you know how I know he's telling the truth? I've been this kicking away since the night. This is when you was kind of like at your apex. This is like 93. I'm in the Lakewood Mall. You know, I was talking about the Lakewood Mall. Yeah, this nigga loves the Lakewood Mall. And guess who I see bailing out the, guess who I see bailing out the footlocker? <laughs> I see your ass bailing. I'm thinking like, man, this motherfucker over here in the mall, that's MCA. I didn't come up to you and talk to you with no shit like that, but it just fucked me up. I said, MCA is really in the mall. And then I saw the motherfucker one day in the, um, what's the Delamo Fashion Center? The Swap Meet, nigga. The Swap Meet. I saw you in the Swap Meet one day, and I said, this motherfucker really be in the motherfucking streets. Um, I never, like, okay, nigga made a little bread. You feel me? Um, did I move out of Compton? Yeah. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? But, um... I didn't get into the money shit, man. You know, um I bet you fucking with Mac Ten, your ass was fucking with that money shit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cause Mac Ten, yeah, Mac, me and me. When, now, when I start fucking with Mac, it was you know, shout out to Section Eight. It, it was it's it was just you know, it was a different time. Me, I didn't you know, I rode with maybe three, four niggas from the hood. Um, I never went out and bought like. Rolex watches and shit like that. Um, but when I got with a certain situation, I felt that's the image because the whole crew, that's what you the crew get was me? Doing. The whole, like, I didn't never have chains and shit. And, you know, I got with Mac, they had hoop hanging chains and niggas had Rolex watches and shit. So, you know, but <laughs> me, I just, I was one of them niggas who I didn't want to forget where I came from. And I didn't want to forget the struggle that I went through. Like, nigga, I ain't always been rich. You feel me? Like, <laughs> nigga, I, nigga, we came from the struggle. I, so I never wanted to forget that. So I was one of them niggas who, nigga, you give me a check for $100,000, nigga, and... Six months last. from now, you like, you coming to me like, nigga, you ain't cashed that check yet? Because I ain't seen it hit my bank yet. I'll be like, hell no, nah, nigga. That motherfucker, like, I'm, I try to stay normal and regular to not get upon and live above my means. I'm not one of them niggas who I came from the block. And then the nigga handed me a million dollars, and tomorrow I'm finna make you feel like, nigga, I was born with this silver spoon in my mouth. You feel me? I was always buying Versace jackets and you pulling up the roll. 
I, I, I never, and then I never wanted to alienate the niggas I was around. You I feel ain't me? never alienate nobody, and I ain't never become like I was never no flossy motherfucker. But I enjoy it. Not- this is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. 
If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. I relish the Musk says, well, when I got the first piece of money, man, everything changed. The food I ate, every fucking thing changed. <laughs> I didn't, I, even, I, I, I didn't even try to do that shit, man. Everything I'm telling changed, you, I didn't man. start doing it. Still to this day, it's like I can't go to Denny's and eat a steak, man. I got to be at Le Petit Four or some shit like that, man. I got to have, you know, gotta, I got to know if this motherfucker grain fed and all that this shit. This motherfucker. I right? said, this what? This nigga said grain fed. See, that's what I be talking about, man. Niggas get a little money in their pocket. Now they want grass fed beef and shit like that. Oh, yeah, Niggas want motherfucker. Motherfucker want. Are these eggs free range? Niggas you know, want free range eggs. Free range Niggas want bust. Nigga want glass bottle water and shit, nigga. You can't yeah. drink the plastic bottle no more. You want somewhere and they say, no, steel is sparkling. Yeah, you want, yeah, they, yeah, see, that's what <laughs> it is. Let me ask the sparkling. You know what? That fucked me up, Fucking though. Fucking ass nigga. You know what? When I first went to wow, England, steel. you know, we was talking about Brixton last episode, right? Yeah, they asked you that steel or that yeah, sparkling. Yeah, sparkling. Yeah, you want steel. steel. Your first ass was I like, what do you there, mean steel? No, the first time I went over there, right? I said, let me try some. Somebody at the table, I was with DJ Coke and some other people and some other motherfucker with who I'll leave nameless, said, let me get a bottle of that sparkling. He thinking water. This motherfucker gonna order like five bottles of water and his ghetto ass just there gulping them down like this. I get my bill, man, them five waters, it cost me like $150. I was like, ain't nobody wow. ordering no liquor. What cost that much money? You know, I was wondering. The sparkling this, water yeah, is $50 mother, a bottle? Man, hell yeah. $50 a fucking bottle. Wow. But I'll tell you what, though, that shit tasted good as a motherfucking dog. It was some different tastes of shit. What kind of sparkling water is this? I forget the name of it. It wasn't quite 50. It was like 45. Then we ordered some other shit, man. But um, you definitely develop a different palate once you start getting some money, man, <laughs> for different shit. And I'm going to tell you this. My thing for a minute, I went through my phases. My phase with the cars, the SUVs. Remember when they first started coming out with the Lincolns and all that mm-hmm. shit, the Navigators? I was in those, man. I would go to a dealership, man, and drop like 70 on something, dog. Then go to the rim shop, spend another 10, 15, and just be around the street. just. And I would pull up on everybody I knew. I think everybody did that in, in you know, with, uh, especially if you came from a struggle and you got your first piece of money. Mm. Um, I think everybody wanted to show their success around as far as. But I share with motherfuckers, though. Right. I did share with people, though. You know what I mean? Mm. That shit got old quick as a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, you learn quick, man. You can't share your wealth too much, man, because uh, people will take advantage of your situations, you know, especially if they think uh, your shit came easy as and, far as. And that it's going to keep that, coming. That music shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that shit came easy. easy and it's so. hard as a difficult as a motherfucker. Mm. And the worst part about the music shit, though, is that. There are so many lies being told about these deals and different things like that. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember they said that when Glasses first signed, they was like, yeah, he signed for $1.5 million. 
I was like, damn. Sony? That, yeah. That deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That that was that going was around publicized. everywhere. Yeah. And you know what you know what was crazy? He would tell motherfuckers and they just couldn't understand. I felt so sorry for glasses, because you know he was new. Like I would hear him on the phone, like, cuz, I don't have like 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 what do you mean I didn't help you your mama keep her house? I don't have money like that. You know, outside of you telling somebody what you actually got, people really know you well, got why did they publicize it like that then? Man, I guess that's just to make a motherfucker look thing, but he never came out of his mouth and said that. He never came no, out. that was all the the, the machine, the machine, and Black Wall Street and so. But theoretically, his deal was worth one point five million. But that's the thing. Still, they say the deal is one point five, but that's if you hit escalators, you mm-hmm. sell certain things. Yeah, you got to do certain things, and you got to put the album nope. out. And it's just like with the podcast shit. Like I hear motherfuckers talk, but not that I'm in nobody else's business. I hope these brothers out here getting every dime they can. Mm-hmm. Like shout out to everybody that's out there getting that money. Salute to y'all. I I don't have a hating bone in my body, but it puts people in a bad position when they hear these these overinflated deals. First of all, if someone comes to give me thirty five million dollars, right? That's a lot of responsibility, right? They're not going to just give me $35 million. I may get a piece of it when, upon signing. I may get yeah. a, another piece after the first season airs. There are too many, there are too many variables. It's a lot of shit that can happen between somebody yeah. give me $35 million and I go out there and get in a car accident and I ain't here no more. This money gone. You ain't getting that money back. Nah. You're not getting it back. So a lot of this stuff is really overinflated. Or it might be spread up. You know, It's usually but split it, up in tears. Like, like, like people talk about these... NFL, NBA, even baseball, even though I don't really follow baseball, it's like when a dude signs a $200 million contract, they don't give him a check for $200 million. That's no. for four or five years, and it's all these clauses. That's a lot of little clauses. If you go out playing basketball or something, yeah. like the thing is about the NFL in particular, if you go out there, if you sign a contract and you go out the next day and you play with your son in the yard and you slip on a motherfucking thing. It might be thing, a void. <laughs> it might, it be might void. void your shit. You might not get the rest of that money, dog. It's all in the language of the contract. That's the important part of it. You may not get that money. And, you know, with podcasts and everything else, I tell people all the time, but Joe Rogan got this. I also say, yeah, Joe Rogan's show is very valuable as well. Mm. He has a lot of listeners on all platforms. See, some podcasts do good on YouTube, but they don't do shit in audio. Some podcasts do well on both, and he's in that rare spectrum to where, you know, on YouTube and thing, and please believe Spotify got all that shit. (laughs) You know, Joe Rogan ain't uploading nothing else to YouTube. They gave him all that money. They got That's all they shit now. Yeah, definitely. That's all they shit now. And I think people really got to twist them. People will sit up there and argue with you. And then would tell you, like, the business that we participate in, that we actual participants in, you just hating because they got the bag. Why would I care? You know, it don't hurt me neither one. I love seeing people get money, man, especially in the same lane I'm in. Because I, that shoot. Man, shit, hey, yeah, we gonna be able to get a check. Our value was up now, you know. But man, no, like that is just too much stuff that can happen, man. And I think that's the biggest thing that hurts kids in the community because I saw glasses go through that shit of people thinking he had money that he didn't have, and he had money, but then what people forget too, you gotta go do your album out that shit. Yeah, that's, that's the, um, <laughs> a lot of people tend to take. Uh, you know, people really probably don't give a fuck, man. And not, a, not too many people are familiar or educated with contracts and, and what, you know, as far as recoupment and all other shit and what this is paid for. So, uh, motherfucker, all they got is, nigga, you got a video. 
Mm-hmm. Nigga, you got a yeah, video and a song on the radio, so nigga, you got a billion dollars, and <laughs> that's when all the you know do for me come and whatever. So that's why I said um, I've always tried to stay grounded as far as with music is concerned, and not try to be too braggadocious um, in my songs. Um, it's just like tell stories, like you said, I tell stories of modern day struggle of, you know, the motherfucker who ain't rich, uh, the motherfucker who struggles and got to work a nine to five and, you know, the nigga who drives the regular car and, you know, and I don't got no Rolex and no chains and, you know, I got kids at home that got to get school clothes and bills need to be paid because when you looked upon That's as reality. when you looked upon as as these entertainers, um, people tend to forget that regular life still goes on. You get you know, me? Well, I, I kept regular life going though, bro, because I was working as an A&R at a publishing company. And when I tell you I kept that job for the longest, as long, even through all the podcast stuff, I still got up and went to work because I was all I never understood the mentality of people thinking, oh, well, you're getting this money now. Or you go quit your job. It's like, no, for what? Like, why am I, should the motherfuckers pay me $150,000 a year? Why am I going to quit? Mm. Why would I quit? You know, um, and I, I think people that have never touched money before, they always got, you know, to think in their mind, I would be doing this if I were you. I would be doing that. You know, and it, don't, it ain't necessarily like that. It's just everybody's situation is different. Yeah. I was always scared because I come from real poverty. Like Cleveland is like I was really poor coming up, like like poor, poor. Yeah. You know, to the point where I was picking roaches and shit out the cereal, and I just knew I never want to go back to that life again. I never want to go back, and that's my biggest fear even to this day, um, of just going back to just abject poverty, man, and just, you know, to where you really just like, you come home sometimes and the lights is off. My moms and pops did a good job. They, they did a really good job because I didn't go through the lights off shit too much. But the I could kids know you was poor? Hell yeah, I'll make sure to let them know when they waste food because it bothers me when they get the... And their mom treated like it's a fucking buffet. One, I want spaghetti. The other one, I want steak. And she in there <laughs> cooking all this different shit. With sparkling water. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Y'all need to eat because when I... At my mom's house, we ate whatever the fuck she cooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very different thing I noticed with the younger generations. My... Even for me, I didn't grow up like y'all, but it's like my mom made dinner. That was it. There was, and I had two brothers. It wasn't like each three of us got three different meals. Like yeah, y'all ate whatever the fuck she cooked, right? That was it. (laughs) We didn't have a buffet. And mom, and and again, man, shout out to my moms, man, and my step pops and my real um, dad. As a kid growing up, did you know you was poor? I didn't realize I was poor until I started going over other friends' house that had stuff. And I would be like, damn. Like, I had a friend named Mike. His dad worked for an electric company, and his mom worked for um, Ohio Bell, like the phone company. So they both had pretty good incomes. They was both in upper management, and they lived up in the hills. See, in Cleveland, everybody lived on the east side, and it's poor on the west side. But then if you like, got a heights at the end of your city, that means you're doing well. You know my nigga said, my nigga <laughs> said if you got a heights on the end. <laughs> you know, if you got Shaker Heights, Cleveland Heights, if you have any of them places, okay. My nigga said hood heights, nigga. If it was, if it was, if it was heights, motherfucker, you was balling. And the first thing I noticed, man, that my friend, I came home with him after school, right? 
and I was gonna stay the weekend. If we stayed the weekend over there, I noticed that he went in this refrigerator and got the fuck he want. If I went in my refrigerator and drunk up all the juice and did all this shit, I was gonna get my ass whooped. Get your fucking I'd have got my head bashed in. Like, what the fuck? Drinking that motherfucker. That was the whole thing. That's for dinner time. Yeah. No, nigga, but you they may have a picture of tea keep, or a picture of Kool Aid. You wasn't allowed to touch that shit. That was for dinner. You got you a glass at dinner time, and that was it. That was one glass. And I might be able to barter my brother's glass from him. One motherfucking glass too. I might be able to take the glass from my brother and half his shit up. You know, sneak and drink his, but. That, I really, man, I didn't know I was poor until I started seeing shit like that. But my parents did a good job because I'm going to tell you one thing. We always had a Christmas. We always had Thanksgiving. It may not have been the shit, but, but you know, as far as food and shit, we ate. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Nigga appreciated a 15-cent pack of Kool-Aid with some water and sugar, man. Hell yeah, like a you motherfucker. You understand me? Yeah. That was like having, like... Like, nigga, we might as well had a two-liter Coca-Cola in the refrigerator. Hell yeah. Nigga, motherfucking come in, and their moms would be motherfucking real scarce with them packs in the drawer. Man, they nigga, would get, yeah. I mean packs of Kool-Aid left in there. Nigga, we got yeah, They like, had to count. We got they like had to three. They had to count. We had like three or four. Okay, uh, you can get no more, so y'all better use that Kool-Aid wisely. And it wasn't no, and that's what I'm saying. It wasn't no extracurricular drinking just because you go down. No, you got one glass at dinner I look time. at my kids. You know what they do now? We because we got sodas in the pantry. We got oh, yeah, you juices, got everything, juices and teas, all kind of shit. Fancy you know, they teas doing this. and all kind. I watch my daughter. They got fancy fucking. What you got in there? Some gold peak or some Man, shit? Some good shit. <laughs> I never heard of that one. My daughter, my, my daughter, a poor glass of Welch's. Right? She would pour a glass of Welch's. She would drink a little bit of it. She would sit that shit on the counter. Then she'd go in there and get her a Canada dry ginger oh, ale, yeah. drink a little bit of that, half half that leave it on the counter. leave it on the counter. Shit be half drunk. And and I go around chasing her because I'm, you know, coming from where I come from, I don't waste shit. You're that old school. So I go over there and drink the shit and mm -hmm. I drink this and I tell her, hey, why are you doing this? And she'll look at me like I'm tripping, like, why are you making such a big deal? It's just a juice guy. Yeah, yeah. Because she didn't buy it. That's why. Well, kids <laughs> look at that. But we, um, we couldn't look at shit like that. Hell no. Um, the kids of today, not I mean, not to say all, but I don't give a fuck about that shit. They don't like like uh, what I say. Value the dollar, you know. Oh um, hell no. Same thing, nigga. You buy a case of water, they look at that shit like it's just water. Oh, man, like why you lift you, know, find, just you find water. half right. bottles drunk all in all the through crib. the house. Under the bed, nigga, just in the bathroom, every just half bottles, just half bottles, half bottles. <laughs> and motherfuckers be like, they look at it like, what? It's water. Like, why are you yeah, tripping? Why are you tripping? Let me ask you now, let me ask you a question. You making that move from Compton and going out to the suburbs, what was the biggest first difference that you noticed? Because I'll tell you mine after you tell me yours. Well, see, I had left Compton, you know, I had a place in fucking, uh, I had a, I had a, a townhouse outside of Compton. Um, I stayed in a place called Hawaiian Gardens, which oh, was right outside of yeah, Cerritos. <laughs> Many times. Uh, so you got to figure back in like 92, 93, moving to Hawaiian Gardens. Did you get that after 
It's a Compton thing or during that time? I got to Hawaiian Garden. Man, I didn't get to Hawaiian Gardens till at really, like, I want to say music to drive by. Really? Uh, yeah. Because that's man. not even that far. Music to Drive By is when I got to Hawaiian Gardens. Hmm. It's a Compton thing, uh, straight checking them. I was still on the block. Um, wow. I was still living in Compton with those two albums. Oh, you didn't spend your $20 million advance? Shit, I wish, man. He could have bought, um, bought a block. I didn't get no 20, I didn't get no big advance. Um, my first record is a Compton thing. I think Unknown maybe slid me a couple of thousand. Wow. Um, and I wrote, you know, wrote every song, publishing. I wrote, I wrote me and Chills verses on uh, the whole It's a Compton thing record. I probably got about if, and I want to say it was a big if, I might have got five grand. Wow. So damn, you if, and, and, and that and hey, that and that's a big if, on, man. Hey, that's total ever period off a of, it's a content thing. Yeah, oh I ain't never seen a royalty check, a publishing, nothing because unknown stole my publishing. So he's still collecting the publishing off of it's a content thing and straight checking them. Man, so you know that's that's something we got to deal with. But yeah, I was still living at home off of it's a content thing. Wow. Um, I got compensated by him giving me his Suzuki Samurai. That's what I got. And five stacks, maybe? Maybe three stacks, if that much. And his Suzuki Samurai <gasps> is what I got. So you got to see, because he bought him some to, new shit. But to a 17, 18-year-old kid who was gang-banging and who was living in poverty, nigga, I thought I was rich. Right. You feel me? Nigga I, nigga, I went and threw me some motherfucking rims on the Suzuki. Nigga threw me a motherfucking pie, a Sherwood pullout in that bitch and some 12 <laughs> inches. And nigga, me and Chill be scooting around Compton, nigga, in the hood. Just, you know, because at that time, nigga, Suzuki's and yeah, Nissan was trucks it. was the shit. That was it. So nigga, I nigga, I'm black with the chrome, nigga, with the 20s on that bitch, and nigga, me and chill up and down the laundry, nigga, bumping, nigga, bumping that motherfucking born the Mac, do 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 do, nigga, that was that was a life to me, man. I didn't give a fuck about money, and and when it was time to do motherfucking uh, straight checking them. I was still, nigga, I think uh, my, uh, I, me and my sister shared an apartment in, in the hood. Wow. So I didn't, you didn't, um, I didn't get no money. I didn't get no money to You was win. getting shows, though, right? I didn't start doing shows until growing up in the hood dropped. So all before then, I didn't do shows. Man. I didn't do, a sh I didn't do not one show off as a concert. Let me thing. ask you this. How can not one. man... Cause you was wow. famous at that time, dog. Like you were known. Nah, we had a uh, <clears throat> one time Gaffin' Em Up was playing. One I time Gaffin' Em Up played like every five minutes. If you had to jukebox, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you had to jukebox, man. If That's you had to jukebox, one time Gaffin' Em Up was on maybe every five minutes. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> um, 
I didn't have a manager. Uh, I didn't have a booking agent. Like I said, I was still in the hood every day. So, wow. wish his name was robbing you already. I'm surprised he didn't double back and try to get some of that money. No, nah, I didn't get no shows off of it's a Compton thing. Um, That's shocking. And then it was in the transition of of the labels, Orpheus, going, Orpheus going through what they was going. So basically, it's a Compton thing didn't even get promoted. It was just off the fact that one time Gaffled Em Up was hitting so hard on the yeah. jukebox is what had us sell like 200 and something thousand records. We wasn't getting no radio play, nothing. All we had was one time gaffled them up in that video and video jukebox. And so, mm. no, I didn't see no show up. money, nothing. I was still on the block trying to sell crack and shit. Cause this is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made, and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. 
His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. I didn't make no money. And then so when it was time to, when they did uh, Boys in the Hood, um... I just happened to be hanging with my nigga JD and shit. Shout out my nigga JD from the Lynch Mob. I just happened to be hanging with JD and went up to the movie set. And John Singleton, he was like, you got that song. Everybody was watching the jukebox. So everybody knew about one time guy for the month. So he offered me a motherfucking, and I was like, yeah, right, you know. And nigga, I ended up doing Growing Up in the Hood. And that's crazy. You made bread off that. Hell no. You ain't make no bread off of that? No, because Unknown was controlling shit. It was still... And unknown it was, was controlling shit. And so, uh, I don't know how much I got from doing growing up in the hood. I know I didn't get over five grand. Oh, hell no. For record, No, I didn't. Because... Them movie soundtracks back then was giving... You was getting 50, 50, minimum $50,000 I didn't start making money until... That's a touch tone song. I didn't start making my own bread like that until Pooh came along and offered me the St. Ives commercial. Wow. And I negotiated that with Pooh by myself. And they ended up giving me 25 grand. And I and that was mad in the motherfucker. Oh, yeah, he did. He went back to Pooh and them talking shit because Pooh had used growing up in the hood beat as. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So Unknown was bitching. So I think they had to give him some money because he started claiming, well, I'm the one who produced the beat and blah, blah, blah. And so, but I made 25 grand off that shit. So that's when I started noticing, hey, hey, <laughs> there's more money. I ain't out making here. no money. There's nigga, money I'm, I'm driving the motherfucking Suzuki Samurai. You're driving the Samurai? Nigga, I'm driving the Samurai, nigga. Nigga, I'm driving a Samurai, had a motherfucking 84 Cutlass, nigga, with the European front on Dayton's, nigga, and I had the Samurai. But I'm still living in Compton. And I'm like, I'm not understanding, like, I'm writing every song, 
whoopty whoop. I was getting a couple of shows off of growing up in the hood and whatever, but I was I wasn't understanding while I was, you know, why am I still driving a samurai around and I ain't got enough money to whatever, whatever. So that was your first big money, that twenty five? Yeah. That was my first big check doing uh, the St. Otis commercial. And that's commercial. when you started talking shit to them. And that's when I started going, fuck that. Because that was at the time where Cube left and yeah, so everybody doing their thing. So I'm like, yeah, man, I'm starting to feel like, a certain a way. Wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? And and so that's when, that's, um, that's when, yeah. And so shit, motherfucking, um. When it came to do it, by the time I did uh, music to drive by, I was at the table like, fuck this nigga. Well, that I was album at the ta- I was sounds at the table a lot like, angrier. Yeah, I was at the table like, fuck this nigga. Nah, man. Nah. Nah. And then I found out the nigga stole some money and, you know, he got a publishing deal and, you know, man, so. Did them publishing people have to break you off some money? No. He had already took the money. He had already cut the deal. I, we we found out a nigga was stealing because a nigga got drunk one night mm. and left his checkbook at the studio. Man. And we just happened to go through the checkbook and saw a deposit for a publishing deal. And I'm going like, how a nigga getting a publishing deal when I'm writing all the songs? <laughs> Slip doing all the beats. How much you get on this pub deal? He got about 70 grand. Yeah. And back I think in that he gave time, he that... gave me probably about five grand. Gave Slip maybe two twenty five hundred and kept the rest. Now that motherfucker's a gangster. That's a lot of money back then. DJ too, Unknown man. is a motherfucking gangster. Nigga, That's a lot of money. 90, 92, 93. That's a lot. A nigga of money. break you off seventy grand. Seventy. Nigga, please, nigga. Do That's you know what I would have did with sitting, nigga? Please, but I didn't know shit, nigga. I'm I'm thinking like you know, cause like That's I said. Crazy. I came from poverty, so having a little of something was 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 better than nothing. Yeah, you but know still, that motherfucker. Even I, I don't seen bad deals, but that's just straight fuckery right there. Well, that's 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 that I was heard. that was them niggas back then, man. You know, and the, and the crazy shit about it is, it's some motherfuckers who feel that today, like you know. I'm not gonna give a motherfucker what he deserves. I'm gonna give a motherfucker what I think he should have, you know? And that's what I I went through that era of a nigga not giving a fuck about a young dude, Compton, gang banging, you know? Because Unknown's from Detroit, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, but um, like I said, I've also, I've never been, and even. Yeah, man, the way you think about it. But I've never been to the point of, not to say uh, appreciative of the dollar, but my most critical years where I should have been a millionaire, nigga, I was getting scraps. But I was, I came from nothing. So being able to drive around every day, being able to have my own apartment and, you know, I thought Compton was everything, so I'm still in Compton, and everybody know me a little bit because I got the two albums out, and right. you know, um, I was I was beyond the the whatever, and you know, majority of of everybody besides you know me and Quick and that type of thing. But on the other aspect, man, I could basically go everywhere, right. 
I went to different hoods and neighborhoods and hung out with niggas. And, you know, I still wanted to be considered um, a normal nigga. You know, I low ride up and down Crenshaw with niggas every Sunday and shit like that. You know, I still wanted to be, you know, my niggas had security and was living in Calabasas and mansions and whatever. Nigga, I'm on Crenshaw every night. Hopping my six tray with regular ass niggas. Cause I wanted to be a regular nigga still. That's crazy, man. Just seeing the way um like when you went over to Who Banging, would you say that was probably the label you had the most fun on? Because you could have went to No Limit too, right? A lot I could have went to No Limit. I mean, I fucked with Mac and Who Banging because, you know, um, I felt I wanted to keep my, uh, my following. I wanted to keep my fan base of... of it was more, the foundation of motherfuckers. It was more in line with your fan base. That makes more sense. So, you know, um, well, Master P got I was hanging with Dog a lot, mm-hmm. and Dog had w- went over there, and you know, I met P and all the crew and everybody, you know. Um, but I was close. But like I said, I hooked up with Mac and. Mac was like, you know, we West Coast. Let's keep the foundation of the West Coast. And so that's you know, funny because he went and took a bag over cash money not too long after that. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know, Hang it, it was just it, mm-hmm. like I said, I've always considered myself to be uh, how they how they, how they has the phrase the the homeboy next door. How they say the girl next door. Right. I'm the nigga next door, man. I'm 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 not the nigga who gonna alienate you and you know uh, you know we grew up the same and and I want you to feel that same way um, I'm not no better I don't want to be uh, posterized as oh that's eight you know so that's why I didn't do nothing out of the ordinary uh, you know I didn't dress uh, you know fashion statements and you know I still wear sweatshirts and regular shoes and. I, I want to go back to this no limit shit though, man, because you know I, I used to picture him now. Cause you picture him with one of them pin the pixel nut covers. <laughs> of course, but he'd have been, been sitting on a throne. He'd have been sitting on a throne like this with a whole bunch of flowers. Nah, they would have had to have. They would have had to have my shit a blinged out low rider or some shit like that. You but, know. But but eight eight and solo and Wakanda's most wanted had some of the best covers anyway. So it, that was unnecessary. Definitely. Um, Like, everything happens for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Um, Going through those trials of of coming out of of being signed to a label, trying to figure out your next move, you know, you make decisions, you know. um, What would it have taken me? Who knows? But I ended up doing two albums with Who Banging, and then after that, I've been independent. Like, just fuck it. Yeah, so... Let me ask you this. Now I'm not to blame a shit. It's all on my own self. You know, um, I don't want to, oh, we didn't sell this much or we didn't recoup this or whatever. What I put into it is what I get out of it, and that is, that's it. That's good enough for hey, me. Hey, let me ask you, you this. So, me? P, so P was really on you? Yeah. I mean, he probably was you got to figure. Bag, a lot of niggas came after me. So, you know, a lot of them niggas, you know, as far as, and I'm not to say that um, 
I've ever been above niggas, but my career started early. You know, my career started before there was a Master P, a Snoop Dogg, a, you know. Mac 10. A lot of niggas, man. And yeah. so I would just like to think that while they was in their hoods or going to high school or whatever, at one point in time, they banged some Compton's Most Wanted. How could you not have, you know? For sure. Um, uh, P, New Orleans, the West Coast, up in the Bay Area. Mac Tien was from Inglewood. Snoop was from Long Beach, you know. So at one point in time, you heard some CMW, you know what I'm saying? So um, you have to look at it like a respect thing. You know, I respect other artists. So I would hope naturally that motherfuckers would be like, oh, yeah, that's eight, you know, you know, whatever. So Master P was cracking at that time, dog. Definitely, definitely. During that time, he was trying to sign you. That's when he was like, the tank was rolling. No priority. They, you know, they had priority. No Limit had priority on the lock and, and everything was cracking. But like... It was like that transition. You had a song with Silk the Shocker? Yeah, they was all in the studio when I came in that day when I met everybody, and they was like, hey, you know, eight, we thinking about signing eight, so we gonna whoopty whoop. And I was like, hey, everything is cool. So I just see your face now, man. The way you is about your music, you doing that song with Silk the Shocker. He and that motherfucker going, Yo, ass. <laughs> this nigga right here is a motherfucking fool, I'm telling <laughs> you. You probably would have loved that shit, too. Hell yeah, probably been banging like that motherfucking shit all the way from Cleveland to LBCC, nigga. People would have been on your shit going, we bowed it, bowed it. Nigga, all day. Rowdy, rowdy. Nigga, long as Me and eight finna take it, nigga, child. As long as that motherfucking check coming, I would have given you. could bowed it, bowed it all day, nigga. Master P has some jamming ass records though. Beats by the pound dog. They, Absolutely. All that shit complimented. That shit was jamming like a motherfucker. Well, like I said, man, Ghetto D. That's one of the best albums. Ghetto man. D, you know what though, man? I ain't gonna lie. I fuck with um I fuck with Bout About It. I think every you, I fuck with Bout Everybody it, did at a point, you know, it was the new I sound. About it, about um that's on the TRU album though. Uh is it was it? Bout About the album? Yeah. That was on Ice Cream Man, too? Yes, it was. It was on the Ice Cream Man. Well, the original. The soundtrack or something like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but Ice Cream Man. You know why I bought Master P's first album? He was like the first king of promoting shit. Oh, yeah. And before... He was a, he was a master of that. Before I even saw his album, I saw a little... I was up late at night, man, watching BET. A little commercial came on. You remember they used to run them little 20-second commercials? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the ice cream, man, I saw that motherfucking ice cream truck, right? And I was like, who the fuck is this dude, man? And then I was at a motherfucking record store. And I saw that little motherfucking, um, I saw a poster with him on there again with that little ice cream truck. And I saw the CD and I bought that motherfucker. When I first heard it, I didn't know what the, I knew it was some different shit. But I had 12s in my truck at the time. And that motherfucker was beating. That's all I knew. I bought that that day and I bought um, DJ Screw 12 in the morning. Yeah, two uh, great ones right there. And I was on that shit ever since then. I said, this shit right there, I always like Southern shit. So do you consider Master P gangster? I think Master P a gangster rapper for sure. He talk about the struggle for sure. That's what he talk about. You know, where cash money was more the rich, you know, but they was still ghetto. But they was the rich, they was the motherfuckers you ain't like, you know, the rich motherfuckers that's going to come back and floss. <laughs> and Baby and them really live like that, dog. Like, Baby, yeah. that shit you see him doing on TV, that's not no motherfucking act. 
Stunner man is really the stunner man. <laughs> Tyrese told me when he was signed to Cash Money, man, he said that he went down, they had a block party, and Baby was walking around with the $3 million check that, uh, um, that Universal gave him. He's walking around the hood with just the projects, just like showing motherfuckers taking pictures with niggas and shit. <laughs> Why? Man, shoot, that's stunning. Stun that's what he do. <laughs> Money change people, man. Some, some people, you know. It is what it is, I think man. that's probably who he always was. I think they always had bread. It was always some dudes that was doing that. Stunning them really lived like that, man. I was it's all right to have bread, man. It's just, you know, you got to... I just, I just wish niggas be more dignified with the bread, like, like you know, like a, like a football coach tell you when you score. What he tell you? Man, be humble. No, act like you don't get it the before. Hand there you go. Yeah. Act like you've been here before. So I just be like, man, um, wish niggas wouldn't be so flamboyant. You know, with they bread and just be, you know, a little more. You know what humility. I think it is? I'm yeah, gonna tell yeah, you a little this more. Though. Yeah, definitely a little I'm more humble. Baby is one of the coolest motherfuckers I don't ever met. Like a good dude, you feel what I'm saying? And I think that's more of the lifestyle that he push on people. I so, think do you feel if you had a hundred million, you would have to be flamboyant on niggas? Even if you had five million, if you had five million dollars, do you feel you would have to be flamboyant still? No, not really, man. Especially not not the age. But you, I'm you know, would you come out and you know and the, the them them motherfucking thousand dollar leather pants with the motherfucking? Oh, I'm gonna have some shit on. Please believe. I'm never gonna have no leather pants. Please today. believe. I'm gonna tell you hey, this. Give me five million. You, what I'm, I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna have on some pants. leather pants. I'm Are you going to be one of them fashionista niggas? That's oh, just fashion right. statement. You're, you're going right. to be a fashion statement? Still, you would Why? Buy a pair of Why are you going to be a, a fashion statement? Why you got to be a fashion right statement? Oh, so you man. you wouldn't be like you is right well, now. Yeah, I'm just still where it is, but every once in a while, you going to see me with the big ass motherfucking chain on. Link. Why not? Why? What made you buy the leather pants? I'm very, I'm very intrigued. Shit, because I wanted a pair of them motherfuckers. I wanted Why? A pair. I wanted Why? a pair of them motherfuckers. Shit, because somebody told my white woman told me I look good in them motherfuckers. Oh, my God. And I do look good. <laughs> I got a lot of confidence <laughs> in them motherfuckers. <laughs> so, eight, only two of us right now have never this had leather came pants. came out looking like the rapper <laughs> Ja Lil with them pants on, man, that hat. He had that dinner shirt on. It was a couple of buttons down. Yeah, the motherfucker. Come out at night video. Mm -hmm. That nigga still was <laughs> sharp as a motherfucker. Hell yeah, I'm going to tell you this, though. So listen, I'm going to have me a big ass, I'm going to have me the biggest fucking I'm like, you're going to dress like this, but your sweatshirt going to cost 1000 and your jeans going to cost 2000 Or is it going to be the same regular $10 sweatshirt. Yeah, far off now, these motherfuckers right here was about 300 Oh, See? my God. And, this motherfuckers, and these motherfuckers' Still. shoes about 150 But the thing, no, but the thing. $300 jeans? My sweatshirt was free. My pants cost about 60 bucks, and my shoes was free. So. No, these ain't. These I'm ain't not no spending. I'm not spending. These about 150 I'm not spending all that money on. <laughs> I don't know. I just fashion oh, statement, man. man. I get it. You know what we go do, man? I'm gonna tell you this. You know we up for renewal right now, right? No, <laughs> I ain't doing none of that shit. Man, I'm gonna go get you a Gangster Chronicles chain. We could both be in this motherfucker like this. Let motherfuckers really talk shit. 
I'm gonna have a big ass motherfucker thing. I'm yeah, gonna put a gang talk, of the Ron Bryan's neck too. They gonna definitely talk shit, nigga. Like who is y'all, hey, man? And we gonna get us some big ass diamond encrusted Rolexes. Oh my god! Big old diamond, right diamond encrusted Rolexes gonna start being like Stunner Man. And them just yeah, I'm just give me some goes in my motherfucker. Make mine like, fake, man. Make mine uh, fake, like the chains. This, I would never spend Don't no money like that. Yeah, uh, most of them chains is fake though. Plated. They got a lot of fake money. Man, I, I know a spot right now. I know a dude we can go get a motherfucking Rolex Man, feel con let, let me say this before we get out of here. Feel confident in yourself and who you is. And, and if you got money, if you're struggling, if you don't got money, man, don't be in a position to where money has to change the outlook of who the fuck you are and, who, and you forget where you came from. Real talk. I came from the struggle, so I always want to be, not to be reminded, but you can always fall down that ladder quickly. Quick. So, uh, niggas didn't call me tight for nothing in the hood. That was my nickname in the hood, tight. Because <laughs> I was tight as a motherfucker when they came to giving the niggas want to go half on the weed, on the beer. I'd be like, I ain't got it. And probably have about $100 in my pocket. I don't take the route of, of flossing. I take the route of saving for a rainy fucking day. That's how I am. Right, when you you come know, from, I'm just so, talking shit. You damn shit right, better right. save your money. Because I went on the look, um, I, like I said, I had my moments of just frivolous spending, but it take you hitting broke, getting broke one time, because I also fell the fuck off one time. When I was working at that publishing company and I had, we was getting little record deals here and there and there, I was spending money, man. I was spending probably about like 30, 40 a month just about bullshitting. And man. you know what happened? I lost that publishing job, man, and all the little money, the little bit of money that I did happen to have in there, that shit dwindled, man, and I'm gonna tell you something. Ain't more humbling being able to spend as much money as you want to and then your ass looking for a job. Exactly. Ain't nothing more humbling. After that experience, I, I became a lot more motherfucking sensible with my money, man. It just leaves too fast. See, what I find is this, money is easy to get, it's just hard as hell to keep. Just depends, man. It's crazy because I, I didn't grow up poor by any means, but we didn't have extra money. So I never had the good shoes like everybody. I never had a bunch of clothes. We, we just didn't have extra money. So for me, that's where I developed my save money. Mm. Be smart with your money because there might not be any extra. Yeah, it's real. We didn't miss meals or anything. But what we never went out to eat either. We never went anywhere. <laughs> so it's like, it's just a very different uh, mentality. So like we're saying, if I got a five million dollar check, it would be very much like eight. I'd still be wearing the same. Dude, clothes. I would still be in the I'd same house. Like, I mean, I'm being real with man. you. But we in L.A. You ain't gonna get no yacht. Huh? You ain't gonna get no yacht. Hell no. I'm talking <laughs> shit, dog. I'm like, I'm, I'm being real right now. The house I got is fine. I don't want no other crib. I don't want no other expensive. If anything, now I'm trying to stack. We not. I'm, yeah. I'm not on the other side. I'm not 20 no more, dog. To you where know, I no got other shit truck. to think about in the future. You know what I mean? You no Rose truck. I'm not getting in there. You see me we in the same drink. truck I'm in right now. We ain't drinking Cristal every day for like oh, a month. None of that, man. None of that. Wilkes is grape juice. I mean, we, you got nigga, you can find you got to put a you got to put a motherfucking refrigerator in and here. And you know we got a Miller sponsorship. If anything, I'll be sucking down some of the Millers <laughs> they be sending. 
We gotta get you a fancy refrigerator with nothing but bottles of Dom P in that shit. Oh, and no. you and you smoke. They put your you gonna, everybody else, everybody else you gonna buy food. your own dispensary and put it inside here. So you walk. Crazy. Hey, on that note, we out of here. We'll see y'all next week. Yeah. <laughs> Pinocchio, we gon' tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. Got my Prevna 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. Ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. 